Good morning. It's so good to be in worship with you all and those of us who are joining us online. We are so happy that we get to worship God as a community of faith together at Myers Park United Methodist Church. My name is Taylor Pride Barefoot. I am so grateful to be one of the pastors here, and I am joined up front with my friend and colleague, Nathan Arledge. Taylor has said it in each service, and she said it again just now, we get to be here. And what a joy that is that we get to be in this space, we get to worship together, we get to grow close to one another's hearts as we grow closer to God's heart. For those who are visiting with us in person, we welcome you and we are thrilled to have you. Those who are visiting with us online, the same. When we invite you to find the hospitality pad to let us know that you are here with us, any way that we can be in contact with you so that we can share information about ways to get plugged into the life of the church. Um, we have many ways within your bulletin, so take a minute to look through that and also take it home and see what moves your spirit, how that you might step up and say, I'm going to get plugged into that ministry. Now let us continue this time of worship.
Now let us continue to joyfully worship as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed found on 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence ye shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As many of you may know, last week during the annual conference of Western North Carolina of United Methodist Church at Lake Junaluska, a pastor Taylor was ordained in the full connection as an elder in the United Methodist Church, for which we are grateful for. As we place this soul upon her, it symbolizes the culmination of decade place decade year plus journey where various entities in the United Methodist Church have affirmed, confirmed their callings in her life to lead God's church and to love God's people, but it's more than just 10 years. It's a calling that she's had all of her life, the calling that will continue for the rest of her life for which we give thanks. So will you join me in the prayer of celebration of ordination as printed in our bulletin? Let us pray together. Almighty God, may the grace of ministry rest upon your servant, and may the opportunity to serve lead her into the fullness of your calling, clothe her with your righteousness, and grant that she may glorify you by giving herself to others. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Pastor Taylor, we give thanks for you. May you continue to grow in love with God as you continue to lead God's church and grow in love with all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us join our hearts together as we offer our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 21, beginning with the eighth verse. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was to be weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son, Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son, Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. Putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, he sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went down and, and sat opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
So we just heard from the 21st chapter of Genesis, but for this story, we actually need to start a couple chapters back in Genesis 16. This was when we are first introduced to the Egyptian slave, Hagar. Hagar is Sarai's maid. Hagar gets brought into this narrative because Sarai is consumed by her own desperation due to her infertility and her inability to provide an heir. She has this promise from God to have more descendants than stars in the sky and so far has nothing to show for it. So in her desperation, Sarai gives Abram, her maid, Hagar, to bear a child. For Sarai, her inability to have children brought up a tremendous amount of shame and insecurity. Her worth in the society at the time was tied to her ability to bear a child, and she couldn't. She couldn't have a child of her own, but her maid could. Her insecurity and jealousy over Hagar's ability to bear children caused Sarai to turn on Hagar. Sarai treats Hagar horribly, reminding her that she has, still has power over her. Sarai makes sure that Hagar won't mistake her ability to bear a child as equality and kinship with her. Sarai's abuse towards Hagar is so bad that Hagar chooses to run into the wilderness as a pregnant runaway slave in a foreign land rather than to stay in the home of her mistress. Womanist theologian Renita Weems points out that as readers, that we can't even begin to attempt to understand the degree of suffering she must have been experiencing to choose to run away. And we know stories like this are not contained only within Genesis. There are victims of abuse in homes and marriages over that have over and over again chosen the wild unknown over one more day of abuse. Hagar, like many, could not take the abuse at the hand of Abraham and Sarah any longer. As Hagar runs into the wilderness, she finds a spring of water and stops for a drink. And it is there in chapter 16 that we are told that Hagar encounters God. God tells her of the son she will bear and that she will have generations of descendants. Now this is an unexpected development. After all, Genesis is the story of our great patriarch of our faith and this covenant promise is supposed to be between God and Abraham. Abraham and Sarah are supposed to be the ancestors of the innumerable descendants. Yet, this story is about Hagar. This story is not about God comforting an insecure Sarah. This story is about an enslaved woman in the wilderness. God chooses to meet Hagar. It is Hagar that God meets in the wilderness and God writes this foreign slave woman into the narrative of God's people. And surprisingly similar to the promise we have heard before, God tells Hagar that her son, 
will too have innumerable descendants. The foreign runaway slave is written into the story of God's people and embraced by God in her most desperate hour. Hagar receives a prophecy from God and responds to God by saying, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen El Roy. We are 16 chapters into Genesis, and this is the first time that we know the name of God. Hagar is the first person in all of scripture to name God. Hagar is the first person in scripture to have seen God so fully to know God's name. And that name that Hagar offers is El Roy, which means the God who sees. She is seen in her pain. She is seen in her anguish. She is seen in the greatest needs she has. God meeting Hagar in the wilderness doesn't make Hagar's life any easier. She is still suffering. She is still in pain, but God sees her. Anyone who has experienced the gift of being seen in their pain knows that this is good news. Because we remember, we remember the widow that says the perfect thing to us in the wake of our partner's death when everyone else didn't know what to say. Or the nurse that sees us in the hospital room when nobody quite understood how it felt in that moment. Or maybe it was the friend who listened to our heartbreak and saw us fully when we were most uncertain that good would ever come again. It means something to be seen. Our God sees us even if our situation does not change. God blesses her in this seeing, and Hagar returns to Sarai and Abram. And this is where our scripture reading started today. Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, and Sarah is eventually blessed with her son, Isaac. Sarah sees Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael playing together, and she is overcome by her fear and her greed. And the story replays itself. Because the story has never been about Hagar, but about Sarah's insecurity. And this ultimately leads to Abraham and Sarah banishing Hagar and Ishmael to the wilderness. Once again, Hagar experiences abuse and rejection at the hands of people of God. Even people pursuing covenant with God make mistakes and hurt people. And once again, this story is known by more than just Hagar. The list of those who have been abused and rejected by the church is long and violent. That we can't be loved unless we repent, or that God doesn't choose people like us, or some sins just can't be forgiven. We have heard all of these said. Some of us, too, have also experienced banishment after things like this. 
And in the case of Hagar, this banishment was a death sentence for her and Ishmael. We are told that Hagar's desperation was so great that she left Ishmael under a tree so she would not have to watch him perish. So Hagar has, Hagar has found herself in a place that she is all too familiar with. She is lost in this wilderness again. We are told that as she leaves her son, she cries and a voice greets her in the wilderness. She hears from an angel, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy. And we were told that the God who sees has helped Hagar see what she needed to survive. God opened her eyes and she sees a well of water. Hagar's needs are met. Ishmael lives and God blesses and sustains them in the wilderness. Hagar has been abused, afraid, banished, and filled with despair. Her life has taken her to the wilderness not once, but twice. And both times, she is met in a place where God hears her tears and God sees her pain. God's providence for Hagar is an act of solidarity for all of those who find themselves wandering in the wilderness. Those who have been trapped in marriages filled with emotional abuse, belittlement, and isolation. Those who suffer under the weight of racial hierarchies. Those whose sense of self is not safe to be known, loved, or accepted in their communities. Anyone who is tired tired from their grief, their illness, all of those who have wondered where is hope when it seems so far off and unreachable. Generations of people who have found comfort in the story of Hagar, because we worship a God who comforts the powerless, the rejected, the outsider. Even as God is working to accomplish something with the insiders, Abraham and Sarah, God is taking care of Hagar. Because this is who our God is. Because at some point or another, we have all been lost in the wilderness. We were unseen, unloved, and unknown. And God saw us. God heard our cries in our most desperate hour. God led us to the spring of mercy and sustained us. We have known and tasted the sweet assurance of God's love. God has never and will never leave us alone in our tear-soaked prayers. We are holding on to this promise that this is our God and that that promise has brought us into the sanctuary today. For some of us, that's to heal. For all of us, to experience God today. Praise be to God that finds us in the wilderness, and that God keeps meeting us again and again. 
Friends, in a little while, we will share in holy communion together. This meal of ordinary bread and ordinary wine will be transformed into a holy meal. Just like a regular pool of water was transformed into nothing but the face of God to Hagar. God meets our greatest thirst, our most desperate hunger, with the bread of life and the cup of salvation poured out for all. Because this table is for all of us. This table is not just for insiders or for those with power. This is a table for all of God's people. No matter where you are in this story or where you find yourselves on your faith journey, God sees you and invites you to this place. Let us allow God to open our eyes and see the feast that is before us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. O God of grace, you created our mind to grow in wisdom. You created our hearts to expand with love for you and all your world. You created our voices to sing your praises in all times and places. Come now to fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit so we may worship you in spirit and in truth bold and unafraid to follow Jesus, even when challenges confront us. Lord, in your mercy. God of compassion and courage, in our weakness, you are strength. In our sorrows, you are comfort. In our anxiety, you are peace. Lord, we thank you for your embracing presence in our lives. We're grateful that you see us as we truly are and that you love us. Lord, we pray today that you would encircle each situation we lay before you in silence with your steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy. We give you thanks, O God, for moments of joy that break into our lives, for love that's given and received, for friends who furnish our lives with meaning and happiness, and for family who embraces us with love and understanding. We pray today for all those who cannot feel joy, for any estranged from loved ones or friends, for those feeling the stress of making a living in this time of the high cost of living, for those who face losses of all kinds, 
Lord, see them. Lord, in your mercy. O God of all the nations, challenge those who govern to share resources as generous global partners and commit to international efforts to preserve the earth for future generations. Guide our leaders to set fair policies that protect vulnerable groups and ensure equality and dignity for all of your children. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Your gifts not only support this church, but also the church at large. We're grateful for the many ways in which your tithes and offerings today will spread throughout this community and around the world, touching lives with goodness, grace, and beauty.
Oh God who sees, you have given yourselves to us so freely and fully. Help us who have received your grace to give generously in our turn, so that we may feel the pleasure of giving as well as the joy of receiving. For it is in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. This table is open to all, the unseen, the unknown, the rejected, those in power, those in the wilderness. This table is open to all of you. As we gather together and come to the Lord's table, we will be uh, joining along in the responsive hymns, uh, and that is found in your bulletin, but also in the hymnal. Uh, if you're joining us from home, we encourage you to grab your elements so that you can partake in this holy meal with us. In a little while, the ushers will invite you forward. We will serve via intinction, which means you'll be handed a little piece of bread, and we invite you to dip that gently in the cup. Uh, if you would prefer to receive at the kneeling rail, you may. Uh, there are also gluten-free packets that you need only ask. Uh, this is the Lord's table, and we are so grateful that we get to be at this table together. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit on the night in which he gave himself up for us he took the bread gave thanks to you and said broke the bread gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave to his disciples, 
and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in the one loaf. The bread which we break is the sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a means of sharing in the blood of Christ. You may be seated.
Church, it has been good to be at God's table together. Join me now in our prayer after communion, which is in our bulletin. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We have eaten until we are satisfied. Go forth from this place with the grace and peace of God in each of you. Go now in peace. 